Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Shopify presents cool sheets from aha to lying awake while you bake isn't cool. I suffered from the wrong kind of hot in bed, heat-induced insomnia. That was my aha moment. Bed sheets that keep you cool. Then I thought, how do I even sell bed sheets? That's when I had the idea that made it all possible. Signing up on Shopify. With the help of Shopify's intuitive online store creator, I started selling sustainable bamboo sheets that keep cool year-round. And my cool idea became a reality. Hot sleepers around the world rejoice. <laughs> Shopify makes it simple to keep your cool while starting and growing your business. Start selling with Shopify today and join the commerce platform powering millions of businesses worldwide. From aha to anything is possible. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Start selling online today. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash free 22. Shopify.com slash free 22. Welcome to MLB Daily, your one-stop shop for daily baseball content. I am L. Jay LaFura. Alongside me, I've got Brandon Karam. We are a Belly Up Sports podcast. We are what they aren't. Brandon, I'm very proud of myself for getting that intro right today. I had to restart yesterday, I think twice, because I, because not having you here screwed it up so much for me that I could not get things back going. But how are you doing? LJ, doing good. Uh, certainly lots to talk about on today's show glad to be back and um let's just hop right into it because we got some stuff that's on our mind we were talking about prior to recording so we might as well talk about it while it's still fresh in our head yeah let's start over in the bronx um certainly brandon i'll let you take the reins on this one because this is a uh, very disappointing story to have to be covering from last night yeah you know so the Yankees on Saturday, they have a great come-from-behind win against the Guardians. Um, really the best win, in my opinion, that we've had this year. 
that uh, in, in, in terms of what happened in the game, I mean, you're down one run heading into the ninth with Emmanuel Classe coming out onto the mound. We look like we were absolutely dead in the water. We're able to rally Tim LaCastro, pinch runs, steal second. We get Isaiah Kiner Falefa down to his final strike, hits the ball off the wall. Steven Kwan makes a valiant effort. Um, unfortunately, he's unable to get the ball. Fortunate for for the Yankees as they end up scoring the tying run. But uh, unfortunately for Kwan, he does bang his head against the left field wall um, very hard um, as he was ranging back and it just came up on him very quickly. So he hits his head against the wall. You have Yankee fans in left field like celebrating that this guy could have just got a concussion. Like celebrate that we just tied the game up. Don't sell, Don't be saying stuff to him about you're happy that he got hurt. That's when we see Miles Straw climb up onto the left field fence to yell at a few of the fans. Next batter is Glaber Torres. He pokes one into right field. The Yankees win on a walk-off. Nice to see Glaber Torres come through with a big hit. LJ, I don't know if you saw, but he's actually tied for the MLB lead for most walk-off hits since 2018. Um, with I believe it's like him, Chuck Blackman... Uh, Gene Segura, and I can't remember who the other one was, but I was actually surprised to see that. Great for Glaber, though. Uh, just a great overall team win. I was so happy with how we played. Uh, until, you know, then we get these dumbass fans. Um, so we have the fans in left field yelling about Stephen Kwan. Now we have fans in right field after, after Glaber uh, pokes it into the gap. Throwing trash onto the field uh, in the direction of Oscar Mercado and Miles Straw. Um, just completely uncalled for. Makes the entire fan base look like absolute garbage. Um, and, you know, no pun intended there. Because they are throwing garbage onto the field. It is a garbage act. And for, for you know, people to be trying to defend this in any way and don't realize exactly, like, what is going on here... Like, these are some fans who just have no sense of of what is right and what is wrong, especially at a baseball game. Should never be throwing stuff onto the field. We saw this was an issue last year where we had some dumbass fans throw, throw the ball back at Alex Verdugo. I'll never forget that because we went to the game uh, like a few days after that, LJ and I did. It was right before, actually. It was the day before. Oh, it was the day before that. That's right. Um, But... It, you know, it's just, it's just, it makes the fan base look bad. These people are just idiots, and I mean, I'm embarrassed to be a Yankees fan this weekend. You got people in college coming up to me, you know, and I mean, what can I say? There's, there's no defending what these people did. Um, and especially if you're gonna go to a game, stay in your seat. Do not throw stuff onto the field. Do not try to physically attack these players. Um, cause it's just it's just so wrong, so illegal, just so morally not right on so many levels that it's it, it's actually crazy that I have to sit here and say stuff like this. Um, and it just makes me feel really bad as a Yankees fan. Uh, we do complete the sweep today, though. Overall, great play by them this weekend. We'll get into that a little later. But just, wow. Um, I was not happy with, with what I saw this weekend uh, on Saturday. 
Yeah, I mean, I think the perfect place to open is that you're 100% right. We shouldn't have to have this conversation with anyone. And yet we here we are, we do. We have to make sure people understand, or not that we, I, I would hope that the people listening wouldn't be the one, same type of people to be throwing trash around. But um, it's... Yeah, it's just like we shouldn't. This shouldn't be a thought process with any person that we have to figure out whether or not they should be throwing things at people. I'm trying to decide which way I want to start this. The first thing that you're really doing here is you're hurting the whole league. You're hurting the whole fan experience when you're doing this because the MLB, out of any of the major sports, has the hardest time marketing their players. And that's mostly their fault because they're not doing a good job marketing it. But baseball is that rare opportunity in sports where you can have genuine interactions with the players while they're playing. The majority of these outfielders, I mean, not all of them, of course, but there's quite a few of them that get kind of bored out there. They're social people. They're extroverted. They want to kind of have a little conversation and they're willing to talk to fans while they're out there as long as they can still focus on their work. And that's such a unique and great opportunity for baseball to be able to do that, to be able to uh, talk to kids, talk to even adult fans, and just kind of, you know, whether it's jabbing them, jeering them, having a little fun, or it's just seriously like, hey, I love your work, thank you so much type stuff. That's great for the game. It's great to be able to get that interaction, and they need to be able to embrace that. But when you have fans attacking the player, whether it's throwing a ball that they were given or throwing beer cans, all of that, at these guys, that just makes them not want to do it anymore. If they don't want to do that, then it becomes immediately harder and harder to get a connection with these players. Your enjoyment of the product's going to suffer. Their enjoyment of making the product's going to suffer. And the money all around is going to suffer. And that's it's, it's an unnecessary shame. It really is. The other place I want to bring this, and it's not the place I want to bring it, but I think it's a valid question to bring up, is, again, as a, as a Red Sox fan, I feel comfortable saying that a reputation might be starting to build here because I mean, yes, Boston over the years, I'm thankful that there really hasn't been one that I can remember in at least the last five years has had instances where there have been dumbass fans who shout racial slurs at players on the field, particularly the outfielders have gotten brutalized by groups in the past. And it's a real, it's a real shame. It's very similar to this. It's a select few. It's maybe four or five people in a stadium of thousands. And that's always how it ends up turning back around is where there's huge shows of support for the person and huge chants, cheers, all of that for the person, even if they're on the other team in the following games, because the rest of the stadium realizes it's not okay. But it's a select few that ruin it for the bunch and give this idea and this whole thing that Boston fans are, ra- are inherently racist. And that, that doesn't fly, but that's kind of a reputation that the Red Sox have gotten. I feel like that's starting to build with the Yankees. It's, you know, this is now, this isn't the first time that they've started throwing things onto the field in recent memory. And that's a real problem, a culture thing that the team has to clear up. It's also the type of thing that kind of makes guys not want to play for the team too. So it's not even just a respect thing. It's not even a keeping and retaining fans type thing. It's a retaining players thing. It's a bringing in free agents type of thing where guys might be hesitant to enter into the situation. 
Very well put. Uh, I think we really covered all bases there, and I mean, you're you're right. It's just, you know, there's so many more effects that this has rather than just, like, regarding players on other teams. Um, And, like, all the comments that Miles Straw made, like, you know, people are like, oh, like, what do you think of that? Like, yeah, let's, let's call it. Let's call it out here, though, because as much as the, the Yankees fans are far more in the wrong, it's their fault, solely their fault. I'm not going to blame Miles Straw for anything. No, none. Of, no blame. He, he didn't direct – he didn't cause this is not what I'm saying. However, he shouldn't have gone as far as he did. But it's the heat of the moment. you got to remember, too. Yeah, I, like, I'm not, again, I'm not, trying to, I'm not trying to invoke him into this, but I think – at the same time, he kind of has to de-escalate things. Like, I think if you look at the difference between him and Verdugo, first off, that's the regular for Verdugo, is interacting with fans. And also, you saw it yourself. It wasn't hostile, what he was doing with the fans by any means. Whereas, you know, Miles Straw gets right up in their, in their face and does kind of escalate that situation. I'm not putting any of it on him. That's on the fans. You need to be better. You don't throw stuff under any circumstances, even if somebody says something you don't like. But you also, he does need to be a little more careful in the future. Absolutely. Well, I, I certainly think we did. We hit everything that we wanted to on that topic. Um, let's talk about something good, LJ. Um, Miguel Cabrera. The 33rd player all-time to reach 3,000 hits. The 7th player all-time to reach 3,000 hits and 500 home runs. One of my childhood... One of the players... One of, okay, one of, one of my favorite players growing up. Um, seeing him win the Triple Crown in 2012... Um, and back-to-back MVPs in 2012 and 2013. Um, he's one of the best hitters I've I've ever seen um, from like a pure hitting standpoint. Uh, his approach at the plate's actually unbelievable. Um, and the fact that he still has it, like sure, he's fallen off a lot production-wise. But to see him reach this 3,000 hit mark... Um, I mean, he was already going to be a Hall of Famer anyways, but this just this puts him in that upper echelon of players. I mean, 3,000 hits, five, 500 home runs is such elite territory that I, I don't, you know, this then, is, is incredible. I love it. It is. It is incredible. And again, I'm so proud to see it. I talked about yesterday. This is probably the last or maybe the second to last major milestone we're going to see broken in the next decade no one seems like they're actually going to be able to get to that spot right now in my eyes we're talking about a long shot on trout possibly manny machado and especially in terms of 3,000 hits past that maybe we get maybe we get nelson cruz hitting the 500 home runs that's that's the way i see it but yeah you got to save for this because not only is this one of the most electric players of our childhood it's one of the most electric players all time and he deserves that respect. I have um, two things I want to do here real quick before we move off of Miggy because I ended up um, getting a little worn out. I cut the show off a little bit earlier before I got through all of what I was planning on talking about yesterday. But first, the thing I really wanted to talk about yesterday, Brandon Karam, I'm assuming you knew this question was going to be coming today or oh, yesterday. Boy. It's probably no. I see your hands moving away from the computer. No, hands no, up. no. I'm, 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 I'm not. I'm not looking anything up. That, that's, that's not what I'm looking up. And put your hands up. 
Okay. Name the other six members of the 3,500 Club. Okay. This is the third time. For those of you who weren't listening yes, last year, this is the third time Brandon has tried to pass this test. Okay. Let's see. We have... Let's see. Okay. We have Alex Rodriguez. Yes. We have Albert Pujols. That's two. We have Eddie Murray. That's three. Got the hard one. Rafael Palmero. That's four. Um. Wow. Willie Mays. That's five. Let's see. A Rod, Pujols, Palmero, uh, Miguel Cabrera, Mays. Oh, my God. It's such a lead company, too. I just want to say that right now while Brandon's trying to think. This is just an amazing group of players. And honestly, this is a good talking point. Maybe if we have time later this week, can we really do a deep dive at some point? Into Hank Aaron. The of- yes. All right, so yeah, we've got Hank Aaron, Alex Rodriguez, Albert Pujols, Willie Mays, Rafael Palmero, Eddie Murray, and Miguel Cabrera. But what I'd really like to do in the next couple of weeks while this topic is still hot is I'd love to do a little bit of a deep dive into the careers of Rafael Palmero and Eddie Murray. Brandon, this is elite, an elite group. We see it now. You need to stay healthy for your entire career, and you need to play consistently consistently amazing throughout your prime and consistently good after your prime to be able to reach these. It's ridiculously hard to reach these milestones. And yet, why don't we hear more about Rafael Palmero and Eddie Murray? Like, why aren't they talked about in the same breath as any of the other guys on this list? It feels like a lot. Of well, Rafael Palmero, um, the ties to steroids certainly I know, does but it still, in for again, him. It doesn't, his, his name doesn't even come up, Brandon. No, I know. I know. Conversations. Even the steroid guys, it doesn't come up. Well, I'm looking right here. LJ, Rafael Palmero only finished inside the top five of MVP voting one time. And I'm not saying that that is, um, it makes him a bad player because 72 career war is, is actually crazy. But I feel like he's more of a case of a bunch of really good seasons, but never a great standout season and guys like Rafael Palmero, Lou Whitaker, um, even a guy like Derek Jeter, they just have these seasons where it's good every year, but it's never so standout that you're like, oh wow, like like look at his blank and blank season. When when you look at guys like like A Rod and Pujols, you can look at specific seasons. Um, Eddie Murray though. Just he might be one of the most underrated players ever. Um, it's and it's 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 crazy to me that uh, he he doesn't get talked about a lot because he had a stretch there second or f- he went sixth in MVP fifth second second fourth fifth. I mean that is like Jose Ramirez type stuff what he's doing now. Um, Eddie Murray we can definitely do a deep dive into because wow was he super underrated and glad that he is in the hall of fame. Um, certainly Palmero will never get in because of the steroid stuff. But, um, again, I disagree on that one as well, because you think he might eventually get in like on like a veterans committee or something. I think they're, I think they're all going to get in on the veterans committee. 
eventually, I yeah. I genuinely do not see still to this day how you can tell the story of baseball without um Barry Bonds. There we go. That's the name I was looking for there. Um, I don't know how I can forget it, but yeah, I mean, I don't see how you can forget, do it without Bonds, without Clemens. These guys, like, they're such a big part of the era, and that the steroid part is such a big part of the history of that era of baseball that they're going to end up in. And you already see it now. Our generation is much softer on the steroid guys than the people that are before us. And so eventually, years down the road, you're going to look, you're going to see a group that cares much less about the steroids, players particularly, some of which may, especially on that veterans committee, some of which may have ended up actually taking them and not getting caught, not getting implicated. I think it's going to be a lot more lax when it comes time down the road. Who knows if he'll be alive or not when that comes to fruition, but I think all of those guys are going to get in. But either way, I think both these guys deserve it because you're talking about a guy who had a lot of really, really good seasons, but no great seasons. That's freaking hard to do. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. All right, the other thing I wanted to talk about, Brandon, I want you to react to my list of um yeah yeah this is the right one to uh yeah this is the right order um i put together just doing a little research to make sure i didn't forget anything but top five biggie moments okay while while we've got it um starting off number one of course the fact you walk off you hit a walk-off home run in your first game if you're a Marlins fan, how do you not feel like this guy is going to be special? Like, no, no, yeah, it's it's. And frankly, it kind of ruined this type of idea. Ruins every single fan of every other franchise when a rookie does something good in their first couple of games. I mean, look at the ice horse. Everyone was pumped about Michael Chavis when he first came up. He hits that. Um, walk-off single in Tampa in his first game, literally got called up that day, had to fly down from uh, Pawtucket to Tampa and played that, that night. Ends up hitting that RBI, RBI single. Now, his career is actually really starting to take off in Pittsburgh now, but it certainly didn't go the way that everybody was thinking it would with the way he started things. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, they're not all going to be hitters like this, but this one certainly was. Um, it was, I believe, his uh, 1,798th hit that finished off that triple crown, got him over Josh Hamilton, so he couldn't uh, get past him for the home runs on that triple crown. He had pretty much locked up Mike Trout earlier in the week on the batting average side of things, never really had any doubt on the RBIs that season. One of the best seasons we'll ever see, possibly the best season we'll ever see. From a pure hitting standpoint, um, if if that's the don't stats go in, like don't go on about the war yes. because it's no, not the war, not the war. Crowd. But if if you like home runs, if you like batting average home runs and RBIs, yes, one of one of the best seasons we'll ever see. Sure, look, triple crown is always no, enough. no. That's exactly what I'm saying. If 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 you like the triple crown, cool. I guess my question too is like. I'm, you, I'm not discrediting you, anything. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. But I think we, we had this argument last year, which is why I kind of wanted to touch on it. Would you pick a Triple Crown winner over a guy with more war if you had, like, another win over him or a half win over him? 
in terms of war. I mean, they're, of course, probably going to be close. They're going to be comparable because you can't produce that much offensively without having that situation come into play. But I just feel like, again, there's something about it. And there's something about the fact that you know you have to go and get to those points. The competition, the drive of getting to all three and how infrequently it's done, that that pulls some weight. I feel like last season, if Vladdy had done it, that would have been the only scenario where I think it would be a tough call for me. Yeah, um, I personally, if I had a vote in 2012, I would not have given it to Miguel Cabrera. Um, like you said, if it's, if it's one war over, I'm taking the triple crown guy. Not when it's three and a half war over and Trout's putting up an almost 11 war season. I, you know, he, he finished second in MVP voting. Uh, he actually got six first place votes. Um, and he was 20 years old when he did that, so, um. Let me amend my statement. If it's three and a half war in between the two guys, I'm going to side the other way. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because it's Trout with ten and a half, Miggy with 7.1. Um, and that's a lot due to the defense also. But LJ, keep going through that list. Yeah, my lights just went out, so we're certainly not going to be able to use the rest of this for TikTok. But, Brandon, I'm, sur- I'm sure you've watched his 300th home run. One of the nastiest things you'll ever see. Are you familiar? Um, not, not exactly, but I might be able to Yeah, go ahead and pull it up if you have the opportunity here, because I know just for, it goes for everybody. Get this on your laptop right now. His 300th home run ends up basically defying physics as he manages to hit a ball so high and so far that you actually don't get to see it come down. Don't get to see it fly. Brandon, it went over the natural flex and the ability of the camera to center field oh my god what's it over the camera well so i like just they, watched it, it up. yeah you can't see it on the way up and you can't see it on the way down it goes clean through there's like a half second where you can see it. it's one of the craziest things i've ever seen um coming in number two here of course hit 3000 you know it's such a, a special moment you become the seventh guy on this list i feel like it has to be here N- now that i'm thinking about it i probably should have picked the 300th here but number one i think we all know is unquestionable the intentional walk single okay i thought you were going somewhere else with number one uh yes the man the the myth the legend swings at an intentional walk hits hits i believe it was an rbi single correct uh yes quite quite fascinating um one of the greatest screw yous in baseball history possibly LJ, I was one of the one of the the moments I was thinking of. Um, not only when he was what nineteen or twenty in two thousand and three, um, in that Marlins uh, playoff run. So he goes off against the Giants in the NLDS. Uh, goes off in the NLCS. Three home runs in seven games against the Cubs. That's of course that's the Steve Bartman series. Um, and the Marlins end up winning. But then in the World Series, this dude is 20 years old. He's facing 41-year-old, roided-up Roger Clemens, uh, who was probably the best pitcher in the league at that point because, because Pedro had started to go downhill a little bit. No one had really emerged um, yet. Clemens was still considered like probably the top dog. Clemens is 21 years older than him. And he takes him deep in the World Series. Uh, if that's not one of the coolest things you've ever seen. Um, I mean, the kid was 20. And we were like, yeah, like this this dude is legit. Uh, and 
the the run he had really his first i guess his first like 14 seasons uh i is is really hard to top uh and last thing i'll say on him he's just a generational hitter like i said earlier his approach at the plate just amazes me how he can hit the ball to all fields there was a quote um the other day jim leland his old manager for the tigers said he's the only player that he's ever seen in batting practice where the way that he finishes off lj the last five uh, pitches of his of his batting practice he goes home run to left field home run to left center home run to straightaway center home run to right center, and then home run to right field. He does that on five consecutive pitches, pretty much to end off every batting practice. He said that he's, and he, this is a guy who managed Barry Bonds. He said that he's never seen a player be able to do that just on command. Um, put any pitch. Doing more derbies? Yeah. Oh, I would have loved that. Um, Can you imagine him pulling off 300 at course? <laughs> Wowza. All right, well, we certainly will have more time if we think of anything else that we want to cover. This could easily turn into Miggy uh, Appreciation Week. But, Brandon, we got to cover another update from yesterday, a little more on Eloy Jimenez, as my worst fears have kind of come up now. LJ, your worst fears, my worst fears is Eloy Jimenez, part of my um, insanely bad fantasy baseball team, which is in dead last, now out six to eight weeks with a hamstring strain. Um, he was carted off in the game yesterday. And, you know, this is a guy who, um, sure, he was off to a bit of a slow start, but we all know that, that the talent's there. He's one of the more talented young players in the league. Um, and to see him, um, you know, not play for the next six to eight weeks uh is is, is really gonna suck um just another blow to a white Sox team that has been pummeled with injuries um the, just a few guys off the top of my head lance lynn crochet yoan mancada um and now luis robert's been dealing with an injury aj pollock just got activated from the il um i think on friday they're in kind of an awkward situation here. They've dropped seven games in a row. LJ called it. They got swept by the Twins this weekend, which is amazing that LJ was able to call that. Uh, LJ should look into sports betting because if you would have bet on the Twins to win all three games, I'm sure you would have made a decent chunk of change. Um, Brandon, but, you, you and I both know I only make one bet a year, but I'd like to hear what you said again before. Sorry, well, uh, what did you say? LJ was what? LJ was right. What? LJ was right. I thought so. Okay. White Sox have lost seven in a row. Um, yeah, just overall big, big picture. This sucks for Eloy. Sucks for the White Sox. Um, you hate to see it. Uh, but he'll be back. At least he's not gonna miss as much time as he did last year. Um, are we are we buying into that though? First off, all right. They're, they're all right. They're they're playing Kansas City. They're gonna win this series. Um, oh, here's the I reverse will, psychology. Here it is, folks. This is I right will, out of the book. I would have loved to see them uh, drop another series here, but ooh, yeah, no. terrible call in this Sunday night game. Schwarber just got ejected. Um, 
Wow. Sorry to interrupt. I can't believe wow. that. Schwarber gets it's a 1-0 uh, Brewers lead in the bottom of the ninth. Brewers finally score in the top of the ninth inning. Schwarber just got rung up on a pitch about at the knees and a little outside. Immediately threw down his helmet. Leads to the immediate ejection. I believe that's Angel Hernandez behind the plate also. Oh, joy. Joe Girardi out to fight for his guy. Schwarber still arguing after getting ejected. He walked back to the dugout and then he came back out. Um, I mean, at that point, I mean. Yeah. He's probably due for a rest day soon anyways. I mean, just, just let him have it. Just brutal call there. Um, yeah, no, um, you're right, LJ. We we don't know how long exactly it is going to be. Um, I, I just I get always very antsy about this because, um, well, first off, the soccer fan in me thinks this is the end of the world because soccer basically takes like a year and a half for you to actually recover from hamstring injuries half the time. But baseball is probably the second worst sport for the hamstring. Because it's all quick twitch muscle, quick burst movement is all that you do in baseball. So, like, as a baseball, as, as a fan, I could see a scenario where he could come back on time with the time frame. And still, that's a lot of missed time for a young guy who's trying to develop, who's trying to grow into the star that everybody thinks he could be. But there's also an equally likely scenario, I think, where he goes longer than his timetable purely because the hamstring's just not going to be ready. And we've seen it time and time again. Even, I was trying to think about it yesterday. Brandon, am I wrong? Am I thinking of somebody else? Wasn't that Yoenis Cespedes' problem with the Mets a couple years ago? It was like his feet. Yeah, like, I think he... I thought there was, wasn't there also another muscle thing? There was there was a lot wrong with him. Um, I remember there was like at one point he had surgery on like both of his feet or something, just super strange. Um, yeah, well, I remember there was definitely somebody, and I think it was for the Mets that had this issue go on in like 2016-17, and like it took it took longer than the timetable just for him to try running from home to first or home to second, like. You can't play if you're just trying to figure out whether you can r- make that run. So I would not be shocked if this is much longer than the timetable for him. I'm really worried about this team. I'm really worried about his future right now with just another injury, another brutal injury coming in here. Well, LJ, tomorrow is our power ranking show, and the Brewers win on Sunday Night Baseball 1-0. Um, tomorrow's our power ranking show. We will be able to break down uh, – the play of all 30 teams through this weekend. Um, certainly a lot has changed since last week. We got more of a sample size now. Can't wait to talk about that Boston-Tampa series. I, I need your thoughts on that. Um, and you have tonight yeah, to sure. certainly sit there and um, think about exactly how you're going to rip this team apart tomorrow. Um, so Look, I can't wait. You, I'm going to give you a uh, little sneak peek because all I'm going to say is I don't care about tonight today's game. I really don't. <laughs> and um so if you didn't care about today's game then you cared about uh saturday's game and friday's maybe a game. little maybe a little okay interesting very excited to talk um yeah i i, I can't wait honestly tomorrow's gonna be a fantastic show um but regardless uh this was a great show today uh thank you all for listening check us out instagram twitter tiktok at MLB Daily Pod. 
We'll see you tomorrow. Have a good Sunday night. See ya. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's wintertime. When temperatures go down, the likelihood goes up that your furnace and other appliances go down with them. So don't risk a costly replacement. Stay comfortable with coverage on the appliances you depend on most with the Service Guard Appliance Repair Program from Black Hills Energy. It's peace of mind in a plan. Visit blackhillsenergy.com slash sign up to learn more.